This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. The broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello, welcome to episode 145 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. We recently had a broadcast conversation with Colin Barron and Liam Thatcher talking about multi-site church and how to maximise the impact of your preaching. In this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of that conversation. You can find the full notes on everything that was said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 145. So here is that conversation with myself, Colin and Liam. Hello, everybody. We are back on broadcast. Happy New Year. Uh, this this year, we'll be looking at multi-site church, and we're back today, and we're going to have a look at another area of multi-site, uh, which is preaching. And I've found that um, when people who haven't experienced multi-site think about it, preaching is one of the first things that, that comes to mind. It's an obviously visible thing, however you decide to go at it. Some churches do video preaching, or others will have uh, the same sermon in every site, preached by either the same preacher going round, or maybe a, a different preacher but delivering the same talk or the same theme, uh, or, or others still will have a, a totally different sermon in, in every site. It depends a little bit on your model of multi-site, but it's an important question to think about if you're considering multi-site and think it might be a way to go for you. So uh, we've invited a couple of guests. We've got uh, Liam Thatcher from Christchurch London uh, and Colin Barron from Christchurch Manchester. So uh, two Christchurches uh, on, on today. Um, and we're going to talk about preaching uh, and multi-site. The way we will do it is um, is a question and answer format. So I've got a few questions that I'm going to put to Liam and to Colin uh, over the course of the next hour. Uh, also, if you have any questions, either questions that you've already got in your mind about preaching and multi-site coming into this, or questions that are sparked off by things that the guests say, then you can ask them. Feel free to uh, just open up the Q&A or the chat applications here on Zoom, uh, put your questions in, and I'll make sure they get asked to the guests. Um, but let's start by just introducing who we've got on. So uh, my name's Tom, I'm your host, uh, this evening, um, uh, this afternoon even. Uh, um, Colin, you've been on before. Why don't you just um, uh, take a minute or two and just um, tell us who you are, who you are, what you're doing and how uh, Christchurch Manchester um, got into multi-site. Okay, I have to say, my name's Colin. I came to Manchester over 25 years ago uh, as a church planter and kind of decided that I wanted to do multiple church plants. So I, I actually stumbled into multi-site a little bit by starting a number of sites that we linked together and had no terminology for, but we did eight. They then went into separate churches, which was always our plan. And then having two years away, I came back again to Manchester and started uh, Christchurch Manchester with a lot more knowledge and also a bit of a better idea of a terminology because far more churches were doing multi-site and we're now uh, five sites uh, in, in Manchester. Great and um, Liam just tell us a bit about yourself about what you do and about um, Christchurch London's journey to multi-site. Great. Yep. Uh, so my name is Liam and I am at Christchurch London. I've lived here for 10 years now and been part of the team here uh, for most of that time. And um, 
I, my main role is that I'm our teaching pastor, so I oversee all our, our preaching, do a lot of it myself, um, and then I oversee various other areas, our marriage ministry, uh, prayer teams, that sort of thing. And our journey to multi-site was, um, our church has just turned 15 years old, uh, I joined when we were five, and um, when in up to about four years ago, we met in one location, two services in one location, and we were thinking of starting another service in the south of London, um, but God sort of surprised us by what we felt uh, led it, leading us to actually launch from two services in one location to four in four different locations all in one day. Um, so we did that quite quickly. Um, and I think in certain areas we were well thought through, other areas we've had to backfill. Um, and then quickly we added in a fifth service, now a sixth one, and we have a seventh one coming down the track, hopefully by the end of this year. So there's been quite a lot of quick adaptation to it. Um, uh, yeah, and it's been great fun. Great. So um, going from, from where you were to, to the new way of doing it, that mm. would have posed a, a question about preaching. Um, when it was just two meetings in the same building, mm. was that two identical services? So the same talk, the same songs, the same thing repeated or, or were they different at all yeah um by and large it was the same thing repeated uh, the only differences would be um that uh we would have kids work in the first service but that all happened outside the auditorium anyway so the bulk of the service was the same um and there may be a, a bit of adaptation with worship with different songs um according to wherever god led uh, but by and large it, they were repeat services yeah yeah so then going from that to being um in, in four different buildings um I presume that meant that uh, lots of the things would need to then uh, be worked out locally. Um, and I presume as well that uh, as a church team, there were things that you wanted to see consistent across the board. Um, tell us how you uh, factored preaching into that conversation. What some of the questions you started asking were, where you landed with it, and, and maybe what some of the underpinning philosophy of, uh, of ministry and of multi-site that, that led you the way you've gone. Yeah, great questions. Um, yeah, so I, I guess as everyone does when they think about going multi-site, uh, you think about what, what are all the things that should unify us um, as however many services you are, uh, what do we want to keep together and central and what do we want to uh, have local expressions of? And I think when we started, we felt like initially um, we, we wanted to keep things relatively similar, knowing that essentially the people we had were just going to be the base of these new services. It wasn't like day one, we were immediately gonna have brand new people there. So, um, so we started by essentially doing very similar things in each setting, um, similar sorts of styles of worship, but of course the service sizes were vastly different, so it, it would feel different. In, in different areas but philosophically we wanted it basically to feel quite similar um, with a view to then contextualizing over time um, and preaching we felt like it was something that we wanted to uh, we feel I mean obviously it's always arrogant to say this when you're the teaching pastor but we felt like preaching was one of our strengths um, and that was often what we were hearing back from people and so we felt like we wanted to maintain the quality and consistency of our preaching and have that as one of the key vehicles for unifying and preaching a unifying message across all our services. Um, so of course you quite early on have the conversation about video and that sort of thing. And we felt initially uh, in, in the early days that actually relationship was so important to us um, that we wanted to keep everything live. Um, and we had to sort of build our philosophy around that. Um, and actually the way it worked was 
we staggered our services, um, our four services, so that it was physically possible to get round all four in a day. Um, and partly that was just where it fell anyway, naturally, two morning, two afternoon. Um, but also there was a slight sort of tweaking to make sure that it was possible. And so from the very beginning, uh, when I preached, I did four in one day and scooted between them. Um, yeah. Great. Well, um, now you're not four, you're five. <laughs> then yeah. Six yeah. Uh, you must have a fast motorbike. <laughs> well, yes, um, sadly not fast enough, but um, yeah, well, so it's had to adapt now over time. Um, and so uh, we still kept live, um, which is not to say we would never use video. It's just we haven't so far. Um, and I think if we did, we'd want to in quite maybe quite a limited or specific way. Um, but now generally when, so I do probably slightly more preaching than most others and I don't lead a service so I'm a bit more flexible so typically when I preach now I do three on the first week two on the second week one on the third week um, and I have up to now preached one sermon a month which means three weeks on one week off that's not necessarily very sustainable so we'll reduce that over the coming year or so um, but that's roughly the sort of model I have now um, yeah Colin, do you want to chip in a bit and um, and share how, how it's approached in Manchester, a, a little bit different from, from the way CCL go at it? Um, yeah, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. some of it is uh, based a little bit on my conversion. I was converted in a, a Methodist church and uh, at 16, never been to church really much before that. But effectively, I then was a local preacher at 18, well-trained by uh, the system they had. And so that circuit system, which I eventually when they, I wanted, they wanted me to be a minister, I didn't really want to be a circuit minister because I could see a lot of the challenges of that. Um, I did see the fact that uh, it was a great vehicle for raising up young people like myself and uh, getting them to preach. So I think that's always been part of who I am. Uh, unlike Liam, you know, I'm not the teaching pastor. I can preach pretty well, but you know, leadership and strategy is probably my higher, my bigger gift um, and, and training people. So that bore into what we're doing. I think the second thing that bore into what we're doing is because we were a multi-planting site. <laughs> you know, when I first came to Manchester, it was to start sites. Effectively, our goal was to train preachers and, and elders and leaders for each one. So, in a sense, that kind of meant that we, it, that became our philosophy. Second time in, I think we wanted to have been much more of a, a multi-site in terms of it was consistent, it was one church in, in multiple locations, and we would stay together for quite a while. And that obviously then raised the question about uh, the preaching, the way we were doing it, which was raising lots of preachers up. And I felt actually that we could sustain doing it that way and uh, still be unified. In fact, a question I often get asked is how does unity work? Because effectively what we have is in every one of our sites now, they have their own preaching series and we train, I think, 40 preachers now to preach in those uh, sites. A very, very different model to, I would say, a lot of multi-sites. Yeah. Well, as you've just said, a question that often gets asked is about unity. Um, how, how would you answer that then? If um, 
if the message is so different in every site, how do you guard against that impeding unity or have you found it not to be a problem or what, what would you let, say? Well, let me be ultra controversial. <laughs> I'm not sure it is a, a big unity thing. I think it's more felt in the leadership team <laughs> than in the congregation. That's a personal opinion. Okay. And of course I would say that, but uh, <laughs> I, I uh, so that, so I've, I've, I've never really felt it's been the strongest uh, unifier. And it may reflect on who I am as well, in terms that, um, that I, I don't see myself as <laughs> a big platform preacher, teacher. So, But uh, yeah, so effectively we work on unity on, on a load of other things like prayer meetings together, baptisms together, missions together, um, <laughs> working with the poor, serving the poor, raising money. So effectively, I've kind, we've kind of used a different lever, if I could use that, to, or different levers uh, to preach to the preaching as the, to address the unity thing. Yeah. Yeah, so Colin was talking about um, preaching being local on different sites. Uh, mm -hmm. Liam, you were talking about how, how you yourself get around to preach at the different sites of Christchurch London. Would that be true for, for all of the preaching that happens? Uh, when mm. it's people who aren't you that are preaching, do they also go around or do you have any local preaching? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a very good question. And, and this kind of actually comes back to, um, what Colin said there about unity and um, uh, whether preaching is really something that unifies the church or not. Uh, for, for me, I think it can be, but I think a lot of people overplay or overstate um, the role that preaching has in leadership as if, I, I think in many churches, it maybe used to be the case, maybe still is where the primary preacher is the primary leader and that's the way he exerts his leadership. And I don't think that's the, necessarily the way it is in our model. So I think we also have had to find other ways of creating unity outside of the, the preaching, which does give you flexibility to have people preaching different sermons in different locations. But we do think there are certain things about preaching that, that do unify us as long as you're intentional about it. Um, so we, uh, where we've adapted it to now is that um, we, because we quite quickly went into a multi-site model, we had a number of people who were kind of good core preachers and then a few people who'd had, had a go and were doing a really great job in their local setting, but we didn't have enough to suddenly staff everyone um, and every service. So what we've had to do is, in, is almost create three tiers of preacher not that we tell people you're a one, two or three, but uh, we kind of have our core preachers who are largely um, on staff and Sunday may be a working day for them. And for those people, the general expectation is you preach all six services across three weeks. Um, but then there are some pressures on that, which maybe I'll come back to in a second. Um, uh, and then we have other volunteer preachers who would preach brilliantly in their local setting and we want to invest in them to do that. Um, uh, and, and we have probably about 22, I think, of those um, who we used last year. But what we lack is people who sort of fill a gap between those two, who are maybe volunteers who we would like to preach in um, other settings other than just their local setting. Um, but we wouldn't send around to all six. So we're trying to intentionally at the moment build that sort of middle strata of the preaching team. So volunteers who we may get to do two or three services who carry enough of our kind of DNA quality, et cetera, et cetera, that we'd be happy to put them on any of our stages. Um, 
but we're not going to use in the same sort of time consuming way as me. Um, so, so we do have plenty of local settings, uh, plenty, plenty of local specific services. Um, and one of the things that it gives me a bit of a headache, and if you see my, <laughs> my rotor, it will probably give you a headache as well, is um, with some of our core preachers, uh, they may also be service leaders. And so to take them away for two Sundays in a row uh, from their primary service may not be feasible. And so that immediately means you get extra gaps where um, you have to fill it with local local preachers or you have to find a new sort of uh, way of using that space. Um, and that's only going to increase, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, just to then further ask about this and in, in, in terms of the the content that is taught by um well both by the the core preachers who, who do all six by the local volunteer preachers who determines what is taught on would that all run through you and through uh, the, the central team or when it's a local preacher would it be site leaders speaking into the topics and and theme yeah. Yeah, how does that work yeah, a mixture. So we have um, what we call our preaching, uh, sorry, our preaching forum, which is just a group, that, a workshop that I convene. Um, and that currently includes our service leaders, um, who are also primary preachers, then a couple of others who are key core preachers, but are not leading services. Um, and we, our process is generally, what do we think God is wanting to say to us as a whole church right now? Uh, and we talk about that and we come up with the theme together i might then go away and come up with a plan that's sort of like here are the six or seven topics we could cover on that um and then given that that preaching forum often covers a lot of the preaching we then know what each of us is going to preach on but then if we've identified we're going to have spaces for local preachers here here and here sometimes i'll make suggestions to those preachers uh, or sometimes i'll talk in conversation with them and i'll draw out what i think what they may want to uh, to, to, to preach on um, and I think with certain, so when we're doing a thematic series, like we are at the moment, where the topics may not be linked by the same book or something like that, I think some of our preachers find it quite difficult if you throw it to them and say, you, you, know, you can preach on anything within this broad theme. So sometimes I have to be quite direct and say, I'd like you to preach on this title, this passage, and here are rough some points. But then there are plenty of others who I just know they're great, and, and I'll, I'll sort of just throw the theme to them and, and see what they come up with. Um, but at different times of year, we, uh, over the summer particularly, we have more opportunities for local preachers. And we often find that because of the, the weirdness of our staggering system, it actually makes it quite difficult to work through a book in the exact order. Um, so, so we often find that that's pushed us towards a slightly more thematic approach when it's the core preachers preaching. And then maybe over the summer, that's more opportunities to work through a book chapter by chapter in the correct order. Um, and those are often the talks that we give to, to local preachers. Yeah. Uh, Colin, do you want to uh, speak a bit about how this works at CCM and where the decisions are made for what is taught on, how much uh, impact or input you want to have into that and uh, who makes what decisions? Yeah. So I think we kind of, uh, having said that we do everything as local, we do uh, have some some big events and some big opportunities that we we make it more consistent so twice a year we have a big give offering for instance so effectively uh, we would give away to the poor in november we'd do mission in may so we try and make sure that the preaching before those events are similar that 
all the way across the sites. Um, they may be used different passages, but it's the same theme. Obviously, Christmas um, is is a bit like that. We also have kind of series that we'll do. So we uh, we kind of uh, are very strong on some of the cultures that we're trying to uh, develop in, in the church and being generous, being wholehearted, uh, forward-looking, giving people second chances. And so we would also say to some of our sites, actually, every now and then, it would be good to do those cultures. In fact, one of our sites is all, just embarking on them now. So they'll have a series. So there are kind of series. There's new people and we're growing all the time. So we don't take for granted that everybody understands what they're, they're coming into. So we have a number of those kind of series that actually help uh, the, the, the local. And they, so they will then take those. So that's, that's so that in a sense, they're some of the things that are become consistent. Um, our big thing is to try and get the standard up. So we do a lot of training, a lot of, uh, I know you personally, Tom, listen to a lot of the sermons that are preached. Uh, all the site leaders are trained now to actually assess the preachers. And uh, the court, we have a preaching course that people go on that effectively gives them, the, these are what we're looking for. And that's, and that's, that's all the assessment, all the feedback is given mm-hmm. against that. I think the other thing we're finding is as more people get married, as we get in more sites, more people are actually having to do one-off preachers. So, mm. it's, you know, so they'll get asked, can you preach at my wedding? There's numbers of carol services and stuff. So we're actually now realizing we're having to teach a lot more on how, how do you actually do a one-off mm. talk to non-Christchurch Manchester <laughs> people and, uh, and actually do well. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers part of the question, Tom. It is, yeah. Let's just um, dig a bit more into um, this idea of training and, and development. Um, I think one of the things that is quite a common perception of multi-site that I don't think is true in, in either of your cases uh, is that it limits the the opportunities to preach to to one or two particularly gifted people and mm. often it's a video model that people have in mind when they say that but hearing hearing you both talk colin you've been talking about sort of training 40 liam you were mentioning 22 volunteers plus the the mm. staff core team there, there seems to be in both instances a lot of people getting an opportunity to preach um, which does raise the question, how do you make sure that, that they're good? And, um, or, or do you make sure that they're good? But what's, <laughs> what's the, um, the, the interplay between wanting to be empowering, wanting to make it so that people on the ground uh, can step out in their gifts in the way they may well be able to in a, in a smaller local church without the kind of big multi-site there, but also they're representing your, your church brand so to speak they might be going up on the web and um, a lot of people might be listening in and getting a, a taste of your church based on this there's an interplay there how, how do you work that through what do you do to empower but train and develop people and um, yeah how do you answer some of those questions um Liam do you want to chip into that first and then and then Colin yeah sure yeah I think um uh you're right. I think a common perception of multi-site is that it, and, and it can be true, is it gets built around one particular pre- preaching gift, which um, 
gets replicated everywhere, uh, often by video, but not exclusively. And, and I think um, we have recognized that there are certain voices within our community who we want everyone to hear, but there are also um, certain, we, we value locality and we value different voices and we don't want to get locked into a particular, um, a particular style because variety is important and training others is important. So um, I think because we went to multi-site quite quickly, we were not as intentional at the front end of uh, creating a course, for example, like you guys have. Um, so we've never had we never had a, a sort of one place where we gathered everyone together. Um, so a lot of our coaching has been me one-on-one -on -one with individuals, um, which has been great up to now and is now becoming quite limiting. So now where I want to take it is uh, towards um, whether it is a course or just some clearer articulation of our values, um, I, I, I don't quite know. So we have, um, we have all our values spelt out. We have guidelines for how to preach um, in a way that sort of is us. Um, we then have a feedback form, which I use with people who it sort of allows them to know what the criteria is so they can self-reflect on it and then I can give some feedback. And at the moment, I give feedback on every talk, whether I've heard it live or I listen to it. Um, but as well as that, we also have the freedom for the service leaders to speak into the, the people who've spoken in their particular setting. Um, so at the moment, it's quite relational rather than course-based. I think I'd like us to move to a hybrid model of the two. Um, so I don't have to listen to <laughs> a zillion messages on Philippians every summer or whatever it happens to be. So, uh, yeah. Yes. Um, Colin, do you want to add anything? I know you talked a little bit about some of the uh, mechanisms and courses, um, even like philosophically about um, people being empowered and able to have a go. And uh, do you want to just speak into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, uh, fascinated with what you said, Liam, that... Uh, some of the more volunteer preachers sometimes find it difficult on some of the concepts mm. to uh, uh, to do it. I, I, I've noticed that that actually uh, one of the challenges of doing a centralised topic mm. and trying to, which some multi sites do, so they'll actually have local preachers, but they'll centralise the kind mm. of decision making on it. I will preach through Hebrews and so everybody's on the same chapter but different preachers. I, what I noticed is there's a number of people that that doesn't work for and especially people who have been, you know, have less time or don't do it very often. Mm. And so I, one of the things I've, I've felt is that they need to be given as much scope as possible mm. to actually do well, which sure. means not putting them into a box and uh, so that's been that's one of the reasons we pushed it out local a, a bit more um, uh, is, that, is to actually make it more accessible not only to the congregation but to the availability of the preachers uh, there um, so that's I think uh, is important uh, for, for me I think also Actually, making it a sermon 30 minutes now, not 45, is really helpful. And actually, people who had to do multiple services in the same building had to tighten their preaching down. And when I learned years ago, before I came into the kind of new church movement, you, were, you had a 20-minute, you know, half-hour time slot to, to go for. Actually, I think that's been very helpful as well, because actually, it's... Uh, easier for people to 
to do well in half an hour. Once they get to 40 minutes, it's just 45 minutes, you know, it's just difficult. So that for me is quite an important bit actually. So we, <laughs> we kind of have time restraints, not because we need it, but actually because we do, I think it's a very helpful discipline, mm. uh, especially as you bring in new, new creatures. Mm. Um, I think the other thing is for us, I do recognize that actually we do need a higher level teaching as well. And, uh, so we've started a school of theology, which uh, is uh, a de de deliberately designed to it's free it's some of the best teachers we have you Liam on it you know, so some of the best teachers and me you are one of the best but no uh, so we effectively see that actually if we had put very good teaching on as well our basis our teachers we've got the best of both worlds it's a free access Saturday morning once a month you get the whole bible in two years and it's a, just a, a superb uh, uh, thing. and basically on the Sunday you're going to get people doing good uh, but it gives them a little bit again a little bit more flexibility that we, we're doing a very good teaching for the whole church uh, but slightly differently are you it's not all happened on the Sunday morning yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good example there with the school of theology of of something that we've been able to do because of multi-site in a way that had we planted five or six separate congregations that didn't work together as a multi-site, it would have been a lot more difficult. Mm. Uh, do you want to just talk about um, how multi-site can help, uh, how the strength of being together can help some of these kind of bigger pieces that can serve the whole? For me, yeah, 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 yeah. Just elaborate that, and then, and okay, yeah. no, I mean, I think the average-sized church, or the average, the the majority of churches in the UK are about ninety people, 80, 90 people. You know, the 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 percentage that are into the multi hundreds are not many, and then it gets less and less. And so, what happens? I think multi-site gives you the ability to grow. Actually, I mean, it's not a prerequisite for growth and also everybody who does multi-site will don't mean it will grow but it has for for us which means we've got you know multi-hundreds of people now and I think by having something that's cohesive together you've just got the resource to put something on and you've got the opportunity for ministry so for, that's been a real uh, blessing for us and I say yeah. do things that we wouldn't be able to do as a, a single church, which would be smaller than what we are now. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sure your experience is a little bit different, Liam, coming at, at multi-site from already having been at a pretty large church um, in one location to then go into to multiple. How have you found it working in terms of uh, offering teaching, offering training and offering different things across the church how has that changed as you've changed the structure of the church yeah we um yeah our experience is very very different to to yours and actually i i love coming up and uh, and being at school with theology and getting to teach at, at ccm um 
and I'm sort of jealous every time I come and I see you have you pack out your building for School of Theology of people from your church and from other churches as well um, and I just if I try and do something on a Saturday just no one comes um, uh, if, if anyone tries to do something on a Saturday not just me to be clear um, uh, and we've done that and we used to when we had two services in the same building it meant that actually between them I could do a theology seminar and over seven weeks work through Revelation or whatever and people would come in between the services and that was great um, what we found is having gone from that to suddenly local people are like oh I love local and then what they love is hyper local it's got to be not only in their borough it's got to be really close to them so then the idea of traveling across London which may take an hour and a quarter or something um, just is a no for people and also as we've had more and more families and that sort of thing we've just found Saturdays don't work so they, there are no geographically obvious locations to gather people together um, or within our general week there aren't many obvious times to gather people together so I think actually we've struggled to do centralized training um, be that theology training or preaching training um, so a lot of my coaching actually with say take the prayer teams for example another area I coach a lot of that is having to go and coach the individual teams in their individual settings which is great on the one hand because it means I'm able to contextualize for um, the way that prayer should work best in a large setting compared to a a student setting whatever it happens to be so for contextualizing your teaching it's great um but i am slightly jealous of those uh, opportunities you have where people are just hungry and eager to come together on a saturday for something centralized i don't feel like we've got that um, i don't know how we crack that okay um well let's um let's talk a little bit about a question of capacity because i think that flows a little bit out of your answer if you're uh, if you're going to all these places and delivering the same training multiple times, that's asking more of you. Um, and there's only a certain amount of time, energy, uh, availability that, that you'd be able to give as a, as a central person. Uh, I think the, the multi-site question, can, it can challenge what can be done whichever way you go at it. And uh, it seems like perhaps uh, your model of, preaching in London there'd be a, a capacity challenge on the individuals who were going around doing the same sermon in six different locations over three weeks in Manchester the capacity challenges if we've got uh, six different sermons being preached by different people every single week that is a, a big ask and it, it put again a, a bit of a challenge locally um, constantly raising up new people to fill rotors how have you how have you found these challenges what uh, what ideas or strategies have you come up with to to help with them a bit um liam do you want to go first and then yeah 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 and uh, you, you're absolutely right and i think there are strengths and weaknesses of, of both and um uh, for me actually i find that my model at the moment i i may be preaching most weeks but i'm not preaching a new sermon most weeks so actually i think that the model we have is highly efficient on a preacher's time um Whereas if I were in your context, I might imagine that I might be speaking and it's not about the numbers. So um, uh, hear, hear me right here. I don't mind preaching to 30 people. And that's the, the only number of people who ever hear my sermon. That's fine. Um, but actually, if I know that I can preach the same sermon six times over three weeks to 600 people, um, rather than having to do you know preach every other week to a smaller number of people i think that's a better use of my time it's, it means i'm able to keep a higher level of, level of quality so i may speak 12 sermons to my church over a year um or 10 sermons over a year but but that 
will be to my whole church. And it means that every Sunday I'm doing something um, that works for me uh, because I'm not a service leader. But if you're also leading a service, that's just not so possible. Um, so at the moment, I take some of the weight so that the service leaders preach less frequently on the circuit. Um, and I should say that the local service leaders often also have opportunities where they just speak directly to their own service. So there may be certain weeks where you do have six different services um, or six different sermons rather, and they're all done deliberately focused on their, their local setting. Um, so I actually think what we do is a good use of resource. Um, although, as I've said, it's, it's a high bar to set for volunteers. So, um, so we've struggled to get people who can do like three services in a day or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Colin, any, any thoughts on, on that? I, I know sometimes um, you'll be preaching different things in different sites and uh, means preparing a lot of talks. Like how, how do you, uh, respond or feel about um, about those comments? Yeah, no, it is a challenge. I, when I was um, on the New Frontiers International team, travelling a lot, I actually found, and I guess that actually drove a little bit into our model as well, that uh, I couldn't prepare new talks. And one of the things about, about travelling ministry is you can do the same talk numbers of times, <laughs> uh, whereas you, you can't on a local. So actually, it, I cut down on my preaching locally. Um, which gave opportunities for a lot of others. I'm not, I'm not on the team. I'm, I'm much more Manchester-based now. So I'm actually finding the, the challenge of preparing new talks, actually, I enjoy. So mm -hmm. I'm actually uh, giving myself far more. But it is, your, you know, a bit of a law of diminishing returns. You spend a lot of time preparing for a small group. I think that is correct. I mean, it's not, we're not quite... Uh, as like that in terms that uh, we will use our talks in different congregations because they do cover similar themes over a period of time so you know over a two-year period three-year period I probably you know on the culture talks for instance I'll probably do that in much every congregation on so there's numbers of talks actually and even you know one congregation might do Philippians and then another one might do it two years down the line and they know you're you you're prepared on that one so we are we do try and help where possible to maximize um, uh, especially the main preachers mm. to actually be a little bit more efficient um, but it is it is the one of the downsides and i and i you know it, it says it's not brilliantly cost effective <laughs> if, especially if you're using staff people um, and so that's uh, that. That is a factor, but I think you know it, 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 it's weighed against the opportunity of a lot of other people yeah. being able to do it. So there's always a kind of cost and benefit and a, a downside to. Take it also, um, I've noticed it works quite well as an um, as a last resort in case of emergency. Um, I, I've known times quite a few where uh, I'll get a call on a Saturday from a site leader uh, saying like person X was due to preach and this crisis has come up in their life. Um, over the last year, you've preached 20 sermons that my site hasn't heard. Uh, would you come and bring one? Um, which is just a nice fallback to have as well. Um, 
if you if you're watching this and you've got questions, feel free to ask them. We've still got uh, a good amount of time to discuss, so uh, just type them in. Um, one thing I want to open up with, Jim. I know neither of you do, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on because um, for for many people uh, looking at multi-site, um, at least the question of should we use video will be one that they're asking. Um, why don't you use it, uh, and what would be some of the uh, the strengths and weaknesses of going down that route, do you think? Um, yeah, Liam, do you want to share your thoughts on it? Yeah, sure. So um, we don't use it for a number of reasons. Partly, um, we um, technologically, it's, it's quite tricky to pull off, um, particularly if you want, well, I mean, there are different models of using video even, whether it's live streaming, uh, and that that's more difficult if you've got multiple services happening at the same time. Um, so technologically, it is a challenge. Um, which is one factor, but but also we just felt like actually relationship is so important. So because we went from a place where everyone knew the leaders to suddenly scattered in multiple places, um, we still wanted leaders to be able to see and hear from me and our other key, key preachers um, and actually connect with us as well, not just via a screen. So we think that it, relationship is really important. Um, and for me, I think there's always a balance between quality, which you can get if I'm if I'm preaching to a video once and I know I can, or a, a few times and then I pick the best version of that that goes out. Like you can measure quality really well, but also flexibility is really important. And at least for me, I think there's something um, about video, which as, as a preacher, I feel like I'm not only just conveying a good message, I feel like I'm bringing something of a gift um, from God that is there by my presence as well. So a little example, I preached last Sunday um, at the fourth and fifth time I'd done this particular sermon. And the fifth time in the evening, I suddenly felt in the moment, I need to scrap the final 10 minutes of this and do something like off the cuff, which included bringing some words of knowledge, which were very specific for people in that service. And I landed in a totally different way. Now, if we had a video, of course, the host could have done that and landed the talk in a particular way. But as a preacher, I felt like I needed to do something different in a moment that video wouldn't have allowed me to do. And I don't think, therefore, that I'm saying video is never possible or video quenches the spirit or anything like that at all. Um, there are ways around it. And actually, I could preach, if, if I preach just the same message, identical every time, without ever stopping and saying, what does the Spirit want to say to this service that might be different to the other? I might as well do it by video, because if it's just a carbon copy, that's, that's no better. Um, but for me as a preacher now, I approach this thinking, how can I have a high quality message? How can I, as an individual, bring something here as well? Whether that's a, a word of knowledge or something I've got in prayer for this service, uh, or just being around at the service so people can ask me questions uh, about what I've said, that sort of thing. I feel like those relationship things are really important. That said, um, there are some reasons why we might consider using video. So for example, if we get a guest speaker, we can't tour them around all our services. Um, and if it's a big name guest speaker, um, then actually someone may rather have that person on video at their service the next week than me <laughs> or a local local preacher so i think there are some cases where we would consider using video and also as i said it, like it's difficult for our service leaders to be away from their service too frequently so say our senior leader was preaching on something that's a really core message that we need everyone to hear but it's not possible to get around all the services i would consider and we probably will trial this fairly soon recording that and playing that as a one-off um 
but to my mind, I think we will always have video as the, the minority element of our, our preaching rather than the majority, because I think relationship and presence are so important. Great. Um, Colin, do you want to share some of yeah. your thoughts on this as well? Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I, I think it works for a certain type of gift. Mm. And uh, it works if you've got your own buildings as well. That, that helps. Yeah. I think when you're renting space, it's much, much more harder because just the, the tech. Um, also, this the money side is, is to make it good. So, um, um, I, people would think that I'm not very for it, but I am in the right location with the right people. You know, I think it, it, it definitely works. And I've been involved in health churches that um, uh, do video in a very, very good way. Um, so I think, you know, we're just looking at, you know, how do we, are we a bit more consistent even with, you know, when we've got announcements and things. I think, um, so I, I think for us, we're smaller congregations, you know, 30 to 70 people, uh, all in rented space. Um, so I think he, it, it's just impossible to make it um, work. Uh, but I say I'm not. I I do. I can see the value in it, and I know I, I, numbers of churches that have gone video. have tended to now do a bit of a hybrid. Yeah. So I think, like anything, I think you know the the majority will probably end up with something that has a bit of both um, in, in the, the I think you know. I think in America. Some of the very larger churches, you know, it's it's a bit more consistent there. I think in the in the UK, I think it's less uh, able to do that for numbers of reasons. But, uh, yeah. Some of them are uh, even the people, the way people are wired. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was interesting the conversation we had before about alpha, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people want alpha with on a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some live and um, funnily enough for us we actually have quite a good take up for the actually on the on the screen uh, but again it's just the way i think congregations are wired and, uh, yeah. and the, the type of settings that you're in yes so that's that's a really interesting comment so um so yeah we were talking before we came on air about alpha and how how we're doing it here at the moment and we've just made a switch from uh, having done live talks for years to using the videos um, to back to live talks again. And what we've found is that often in a, in a place like London, um, I think, well, I, people are very cynical, but also have access to so much streaming content anyway. Um, actually, a lot of people feel very turned off by anything that feels too corporate, too polished, too, um, I guess, slick. Uh, and so... I, th I think some people really don't like anything that feels like this is a there's a machine behind this um, and instead soften to something that feels live and present. So that's, I mean, again, with Alpha, um, I think the Alpha videos are brilliant and we use them in small settings in people's homes. Uh, if we were doing it in a coffee shop, we might use it, that sort of thing. Uh, so we, we do a hybrid of those two. But I think that's a great example um, of how some people react very badly to video and some people don't. And so I think probably looking at our six services currently, there are some that I imagine because of their size, because of the makeup of the crowd, um, they may prefer video and that might work well. Um, 
but the majority of them I don't think are that like that so thinking what are the needs of each service and how's that going to appeal to or put people off um, means that if we did adopt video I think it will be limited in certain places um, yeah. yeah I think as we've um, alluded to a few times um, by not using video you're both in a situation where where you're having people preach and you're not in the room and you're trying to uh, work with them and develop them and and help them grow in that gifting um could you just talk us through what that process looks like and i presume you'd you'd listen to a recording of it or someone on your team would listen to a recording and then how do you work with the people who who are preaching when you're not there to to make sure that you've got really good preaching happening yeah liam do you want to yeah, sure, sure. So I think being clear with people about criteria up front is really important. And that's something we haven't always done a great job of uh, in the past. So um, making it really clear what people um, should be aiming for is helpful. And then what I tend to do with people is um, I give them the initial brief or we talk about the, the, the initial idea behind the series. If they've never preached before, we'll talk through the, the kind of guidelines. Um, I will have a like a number of conversations with them, again, depending on the level of their proficiency. Um, and I always look through a script before the sermon um, currently. And on some occasions, uh, if, if I've identified that the person maybe is brilliant with their content, but lacking the, um, the presentational skills, then I will get them to do a bit to me live or something like that. Um, and then I always, well, ideally, I try and be at as many as possible so that I can not only hear the content, but see and feel what it's like, how it comes across in the room. If I can't be there, then I will listen to the podcast and I'll get feedback from their service leader who actually was there. And of course, the service leaders have freedom to, to, to give feedback to the person as well. Um, but then that's partly why for me, self-reflection is as important as my feedback. So getting the person to reflect on how did I feel about the use of my body or how how tense I felt or how did I feel about the emotional temperature of the room or that sort of thing um, opens up really good conversations and we always make an action plan at the end of any sermon what's the area that I want to grow in next time and then we think how can we be intentional about that and it may be months before they get another chance to preach but then we'll think well what are the other ways we can grow that in between so um, th there's not a clear sort of track that you must preach and do no, or you must do notices, host a service, and then you get to preach or something like that. But many of our preachers do also host services and do notices. So sometimes I will say to someone, uh, okay, something you really struggled with was eye contact. Next time you're giving a notice, let's set you a goal and use that as a learning opportunity in between the sermons. So it's not all on the sermon, it's on other tasks as well. Yeah, great. Um, Colin, do you want to talk a bit about uh, at CCM then someone who preachers um maybe you or others from the the core team out in the room um how does that person get developed what, what yeah no i i would pick up a little bit what liam said as well about actually using other means like the notices uh, i think teaching people to communicate is often a missing link in a lot of preacher training so you know, I've noticed around the country when I've gone to churches and they have preaching courses. Effectively, it's a kind of theology course, not a communication course. Mm -hmm. So, it's, you know, how to do good hermeneutic, etc. And actually, it's almost like one of the first things is to be able to communicate. <laughs> and uh, 
no, that, say that to a theologian, a, a Bible teacher, <laughs> sometimes is kind of like, ah, oh, no. But actually, you know, if someone can't engage a congregation, they could have the best content in the world, but actually it misses. So I think actually I've often said to people, do the notices. Mm-hmm. This is how to intro a meeting. Even standing up to, to welcome people at the start of a meeting is a massive learning thing. Because so many preachers stutter and stumble over their first few words. Yeah. They want to engage the congregation and, and actually ad lib. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, um, and I think I was very bad at that. So I personally uh, had, have had to have people like you, Tom, and others help me be a much more uh, kind of diligent on my intro. What mm-hmm. my so that so just picking up that I think that having a bigger scheme than just preaching train it. it uh, is is really helpful. Um, I think also helping people to get better. So, you know, for me, uh, I I want to see people improve. And I also know that not every time you do well. But I think what I've noticed is a lot of churches will introduce someone to preach. They bob, they don't do very well. And that's the last you see of them, effectively. And the reality is, you know, the best preachers in the world do bad sermons. I mean, you know, that's just the way it is, you know. Think for yourself, Colin. Yeah, 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 Liam, you may have done one. Now, genuinely, I think, uh, so I'm always looking, okay, let's see if we can get some of the improvement and then um you know people you know we've got two or three great preachers in our church who are good trainers and make it giving them opportunity to speak into things i realized that a lot of people need a, 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 a few voices in they need one voice who's the kind of main voice mm-hmm. but actually just even picking up you know having some emotional intelligence yeah you know, how is the room feeling? Yeah. Is actually, uh, yeah, again, so I know, uh, you know, I, I can, I know I can help people on that. Yeah. You know, and I know that we've got other people that really do help structure, you know, how to start and, yeah. you know, get it, get it right. So for me, it, it, it's, it, we do have kind of systems, we do have courses, but I think, um, in the end, it's it's actually making sure that as best possible we're getting people to improve. Yeah, and, uh, and, and that goes for myself. I feel like I feel like I have improved uh, quantum leap in the last two or three years. Sixty-four years old, but I feel like I'm a I'm I'm part of the whole learning community that we are now in Christchurch, Manchester. And I, I, and I'm self, much more self-reflective. On, and I, I, I know, <laughs> you know, now, okay, that wasn't good. In fact, on intros, I would ring people up now and say, I've got this sermon, I can't think of a good yeah. intro. Can you help me? And I've never done that. And I've just kind of, well, I know I get hammered if I was, not, you know, I, I, I've just got to I'll land it much better. Yeah. 
to, just to pick up on uh, two things that you said there. One, um, I think the culture of a, a church is so important. And that's one of the things I really actually, I, I notice as an outsider coming into your church to preach once a year or, or so, um, I, I feel like there is, you've cultivated a pioneering second chance culture uh, where people know I'm trusted, I'm loved. This is not an audition to get another go. Um, like there's this acceptance that makes people sort of feel able to be vulnerable, able to take risks. And I think that's so important. Um, and also a culture of learning uh, is really important. And, and I think that within that as well, a lot of people, when they start to think about how do I pre how do I coach preachers, what's really in their mind is how do I coach preachers to do what I want? Um, so that they preach in our style. Um, whereas what I want to do is think, how can I pre coach preachers to be who God has made them to be within the bandwidth of what our philosophy is? So our philosophy may be from here to here, and there are certain things we'll never do because there are extremes either way. But within that, like there'll be people who are way more narrative driven or um, uh, just tons of stories or real like work through verse by verse by verse. And if it fits within our philosophy, then I want to say, okay, how can you be different from me rather than how can I fit you into our mold? And then sometimes within that, I have to recognize, well, I, I am more of a teacher slash prophet than I am a sort of primary um, leader, like leadership, pure leadership is not my, my strength. And so if that's an area that is a strength of someone else or an area they need to grow. I might need to defer to someone else in the team and say, why don't you run that point past that person or call that person and ask them to help you with the intro or whatever it happens to be. Um, and I think that kind of open heartedness of a sort of have a go second chance culture. And also we're all learning and we cannot do it one, you know, as individuals, we need each other. I think those are really important. Otherwise it just, the coaching process becomes really restrictive and unhelpful and it just quashes any creativity and uniqueness um, in individuals. We've got just like four more minutes left. I've just got one more question that we'll, we'll open up to, um, to wrap it up and then, um, then we'll call stumps. Uh, the question's about uh, how much preachers liaise with meeting hosts or worship leaders, particularly when it's the same sermon uh, being given at different sites. Uh, do you feedback in what kind of response has worked in some of the other meetings or do you kind of leave it uh, open to each one being separate or uh, yeah how do you do that um, Liam do you want to go actually probably do more taking sermons around yeah, sure. yeah. so I am um, I have a plan a for every service um, so I liaise with the worship leader and I say this is the sort of song I think I would like afterwards um, and I have an idea of how ministry might go. And some settings, I'm there for the ministry time. Um, one of our services, I have to preach and then leave. And so the rest of the service carries on without me. So in that setting, I have to set up the, the host a bit more so that they know what to do you know, when I'm gone. And of course, they have complete freedom to take it wherever they and God want. Um, but as the day goes on, uh, it may chop and change and I may do different things in different services, in which case um, sometimes that contact with the, the meeting leader, um, sometimes I can preempt how it's going to go and I might, I might say, I think this will be a bit different to how I did it in the South, but sometimes you don't know until the moment, um, in which case just having a conversation with the meeting host is really important. And, and I think as a preacher, there are times where I... I just know as soon as I'm done and I hand over the mic, that's, that's fine. It's in the host's hands and um, they're probably better able to apply it other times. Um, and 
And then there are some moments where I just know, no, I've got something here and, uh, and we just talk. And um, it might be that just during that song, I go over and I say, I think this is what I'm thinking of doing, will this work? And um, usually the host will say, yep, go for it. Um, so sometimes you can preempt it. I always have a plan A. Um, and like you said, Colin, earlier about people not doing very well at intros and outros, I think so many preachers just think, I'll get to the end and then I'll pray a prayer and it'll be fine. I won't need to think about that until the moment. And then what comes out is the most garbled, jar jargon heavy prayer you can imagine. So for me, thinking about a landing is always really important. I always know how I'm going to land it unless God says otherwise, and then I'll adapt in the moment. Yeah. Uh, Colin, you do it a bit less, but on the times you, you do take sermons to different sites, um, do, do you kind of feed in what responses worked or, or do you leave it more open? Uh, I think because we do communion, mm. uh, we preach early in the, in the service and then worship and communion majority afterwards. I think over the time I'm beginning to see um, communion as I, I, I ask the question, is that part of my preach or is it part of the worship? Um, and so sometimes I, so I, I, I'm becoming much more, and sometimes I know it, it's helpful if I lead the communion, for instance, because it, it, it basically, more and more, I'm actually looking at how to uh, finish the sermon. I think the other thing is, by preaching early, one of the challenges is you get very focused on the preach and the kind of uh, ministry aspect of the preach, as opposed to engaging with our Father in heaven. <laughs> and uh, so I think that one of the things that always, again, learning is when to actually know, okay, we're going to land it here, we're going to worship, and then we'll have some ministry time afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think, so I think a long-winded way of saying more and more, just beginning to, to, to liaise with the host to have that this is actually how I think it should go. And in our context, that is not just the ministry time, it's, mm -hmm. it's effectively how do we kind of take off <laughs> from this moment with another 20 minute, half hour worship time with communion. And I think I, I like the way we do it, but its downside is you can be almost application orientated and not kind of God adoring. Uh, and uh, I don't think we do, I think sometimes we don't do that very well. I think it's a big learning curve still for us. And especially uh, when you've got multiple preachers. Hmm. So the liaising is important. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that was said here at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 145. See you next time.